Thank you, Soph. Appreciate that. Let's just, uh, again, we sort of prayed through it with, Lord, I need you, I guess, but let's just pause again as we come to God's word and ask for his help and his guidance. Our Father, we submit ourselves to you in this moment, humbly asking that you would speak to us, that you would be working in our hearts, our souls, our minds, our eyes and our ears just to be receptive to you. My prayer and my hope, Lord, is that as we look to this psalm, that you would be allowing us to see the invitation that you're offering. Invitation into deeper, richer relationship with you this morning, this day, this year, ongoing into eternity. I pray that you would speak now. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what do you think of when you think of happiness? What, what makes you happy? And I'd like to hear some response here. What makes you happy? Actually, I'll need the clicker at some point, wherever it's gone to. What makes you happy? The beach. The beach. Yeah. Well, that's uh, like that idea, thanks, Jess, <clears throat> of your happy place. You know, that's a term that we use quite often, isn't it? You know, a place, that's my happy place. Tasmania, for me, I think, has become a bit of a, ah, oh, that's my happy place. And specifically, the Eagle's Nest retreats down there. Oh, happy place. What else makes you happy? Or do you have a happy place? Sleep makes you happy. <laughs> yep, yep. As parents with young children, yeah, that's that can be the simple things. Anyone else? A medium rare steak. Glass of wine. Uh, yeah, with a nice meal. Yes. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach, they say. <laughs> Cooked by somebody else. Wouldn't have it at your house. <laughs> Everyone else, one last thing. What, what do you think of when you think of happiness? Quality time. Great thought, yeah. With your pastor. That's what you're talking about, Nick, isn't it? Oh, yeah, family. Yeah. Look, there are lots of things, aren't there, I guess, that make us happy and gives us this sense of joy or sense of contentment or well-being. Well, in fact, that's what the, the, the sort of Oxford Dictionary definition of happiness would be, this sort of sense of well-being or contentment. It's, quite a, it's an emotional thing, happiness, because we know it can be fleeting, you know, it's not something that lasts all the time. Whereas in contrast, perhaps like as Sharon was sharing the other week on joy, joy is something we can have in and out of season. That deep understanding and resonance of God's presence with us that can allow us to have joy facing no matter what. Um, have joy no matter what we're facing. And happiness is, is more an emotive thing, and, and it can be a bit more fleeting. And yet, it's something that we pursue so often. The pursuit of happiness. There's a famous uh, movie with Will Smith and his son in there, which was a 
from a, an actual real-life story. But people pursuing happiness, wanting happiness. And it's not a new thing. People have thought or philosophized about happiness throughout the ages. In fact, here's a few quotes from some people past about happiness. Now, Buddha himself said, there is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. That sounds very Buddha-esque, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) There is no path to happiness. Happiness is the path. I don't know what you make of that, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm airing these, by the way. I'm not condoning all of that. I'm just putting them out there. Aristotle, happiness depends upon ourselves. Okay, so his thought was that it's up to us whether or not we are going to have happiness or not in his philosophy. And the Dalai Lama says something kind of similar. Happiness is not something ready-made. It comes from your own actions. Again, placing it into the hands of the person, and even the Buddha, I guess, has that sense of it's what you do and how you approach happiness that then gets you to achieve that. Well, uh, what about uh, Gandhi? Gandhi said that happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. So a little bit of a practical thought there, okay, what you're thinking and what you're saying and what you're actually doing and your actions are in harmony. Gandhi says that's going to bring you happiness. When all those things are aligned, you might say mind, body, spirit perhaps. <clears throat> but perhaps some of us would think a little bit more about Bobby McFarren's, well, look, just don't worry, be happy. Do, 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 do. If you remember that. Or perhaps even more Williams, you're just going to take Pharrell Williams, just, um, so if you've ever seen, you know, the Minions movie, Despicable Me, I think it was, or Minions, I can't remember. But the song, I'm So Happy, which became a big hit as well. To just sort of take that attitude of just, I'm so happy, and just declare it and say it, and just, it will be. And yet I, I would like to point out what I think is that all of these lack substance. I don't think any of them have a foundation to say how you can have happiness or achieve a pathway to happiness. They're lacking somewhere. And as we read through Psalm chapter 1, there are only six verses in it. And I want to spend a little bit of time digging into each of these verses and sharing some thoughts, because this psalm has been one of my favorites for a while, and it's one of my go-to again and again to keep reflecting on and keep my, my compass north, if I can, towards God. And I want to encourage us at the beginning of this year to begin the year trying to set our compass north towards God and deepening that relationship with him, which he invites us into. And believe it or not, I believe that this will bring us ultimately the happiness that we desire. It may be sort of fleeting at times, and yet in this psalm, what we find is the very first line Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. This blessed uh, word is a Hebrew word that other translations do actually 
translate as happy. There are two different Hebrew words for kind of blessed. The one that the NIV has chosen to use, to just translate it as blessed, they use both the Hebrew words and they put blessed both times. And yet, happy is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked, and we'll go on to explore that further. The second Hebrew word isn't used as much and doesn't come straight from that idea of what God gives us to be blessed. But this sense of having a contentment, a kind of joy, a well-being in our hearts, in our spirits, in our lives, a happiness if we pursue what the psalmist is going to outline and what we'll explore and I pray take on board this morning. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked. Now, see the Hebrew poetry here. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. We've got three kind of stances. The Hebrew writer here, the psalmist, is giving us some three different uh, physical ways. There's this walking, a standing, and a sitting. And, and he's using wicked sinners and mockers, all kind of fairly similar to describe those who aren't of God or those who don't follow God's ways or who would lure you away. The, the wicked, those who, uh, well, I guess in this context, were pagan and worshipped other gods. Or sinners, there's people who ignore God's ways and go their own ways. Or mockers, those who in fact go out of their way to oppose God and to oppose others who worship God. So firstly, the psalmist is going to say, well, blessed or happy is the one who doesn't, doesn't walk that path, right? There are those who are walking and doesn't, there are those who don't walk that path with the wicked. Now there's an activation, isn't there, when you think about walking, there's something moving in that, but it's not so solid. Whereas standing in the way that sinners take gives this sense of, mm, yeah, I am gonna, I'm going to hang with this crowd or this is the place I want to position myself in. Or sit in the company of mockers. Now you've really let yourself become a part of that now. So I think there's these three sort of warnings that the psalmist is giving us of the kind of company we keep or the kind of influences we want to have. We may just be walking and skirting around the edges or we might find ourselves standing in the middle of it or we may have completely submitted ourselves and we're just sitting in that crowd. I don't know if you find yourself in that situation, but the warning here is to not do that. You won't find blessedness. You won't find a happiness. You won't find that kind of contentment with the wicked, the sinners, the mockers. I'm not saying don't be in and of the world, don't have friends who aren't believers, because that's part of our mission as believers and followers of Jesus. But the psalmist is going to warn us that that kind of company is not the kind that we sit ourselves in, that we make ourselves a part of, and indeed, in, in, uh, join in with wickedness, sin, and mockery. 
there's a warning and a warning to our hearts as well. And perhaps in 2022, you may, you may need to make some decisions. Who is it that's influencing you? Who's speaking into your life? What are the, what are the crowds around you doing? Are they pursuing the blessed life in God and encouraging you and pushing you in that direction? Or are you amongst the company of mockers and sinners and wicked people that indeed don't have that desire for you in your life? Reflect, think and pray, and perhaps this year is a good year to make some decisions of what will continue to grow you. So blessed is the one who doesn't do these things. But verse 2, we find, but whose delight is, it's not in with the, the sinners and the mockers and the wicked, but the delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now, This is where, when you start to preach and encourage people in this area, it can start to sound like some legalism. You can start to sound like, okay, well, all you've got to do is make sure you read your Bible and read your Bible and read your Bible and make sure that all you're doing is read your Bible. However, if you look at this like a textbook, that may be the outcome, that you'll just study it and you'll be a, a smarter Smarter Christian, you might be able to recite the Bible forwards and backwards. But if you don't have a delight, and this is the word, isn't it? If you don't have a delight in God's rich speaking word, knowing the life that it brings, that God is speaking to us through his word, then it will all be for naught. You won't grow in your relationship. You might grow in your knowledge, which can lead to relationship. This is where you kind of find yourself walking funny, funny lines here. But the purpose, remember, is always relationship. To hear what God has to say to you personally. To meditate on that law day and night. The word of God. And let it speak to you. Let it speak to you always. Now, I think that the imagery then that the psalmist goes into helps us walk right away from any kind of legalistic idea of, oh, yeah, I read my Bible today, good, I can tick that off my list. Or, you know, I've been a good Christian because I've read through all the Bible this year. Because the psalmist starts to bring in an image of what it's like to be engaged with God's word and having that living relationship where he speaks and we meditate, and we're engaged in that relationship. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. One of the things I find most poignant in this verse is the psalmist doesn't say that person 
is like a tree that I once saw near a river that was planted, uh, that was that was that had grown close to there. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. I want you to close your eyes and go through an, an imaginary exercise with me. Would you close your eyes and picture you hold in your hands a plant? I don't know whatever plant that is going to be, but whatever plant comes to your mind, you're holding a plant. Now, I want you to walk into a barren desert wasteland with that plant where all you can see for miles around you is just cracked, barren earth. I want you to dig, if you can, a little hole. You might have a handheld shovel. We take that plant, perhaps take the pot out, out of its pot, plant it in that barren desert wasteland. push the dirt back around it and just look at that plant. Feel the beating sun coming straight down on you and on that plant. Imagine you're there for days. What's happening to the plant? in this dry desert wasteland that you've planted a plant in? Is it green and thriving? Is it withering and dying? While you're thinking about that, I want to read from Jeremiah 17. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They won't see prosperity when it comes. They'll dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. I want you to dig up that plant out of the wasteland, out of the desert. I want you to walk towards a stream where you see luscious green grass, you see other trees growing around, and you see a brook or a babbling river going along. I want you to dig a hole next to the stream in the green grass there with that shovel, and you see the rich earth as you dig it up. And you place that plant there and pad that dirt around. And perhaps you use some of the water from the brook to just water it in. And you know that the roots of that plant are going to go down into that rich soil, reaching into the riverbed. 
and you're there for days and you start to see new life. And you start to see it green, you start to see it thrive and you start to realise you know you have a plant that will survive and will bloom and blossom. Jeremiah 17 goes on to say, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. My friends, the challenge of the invitation I feel when I read this passage is where have I planted myself? Where have I planted myself? Am I planting myself in the middle of the desert? Dry, barren. Or am I choosing to plant myself near the stream of living water? And as we enter into this new year, the invitation, the encouragement that I want to give us, that I think this psalm tells us about, is to say, plant yourselves near the stream of water. If you desire to see fruit in your life, in your spiritual life, plant yourself near the stream of water. If you want to have leaves that don't wither and bears fruit in and out of season, plant yourself near the stream of water. If you want to see prosperity in the things of God, plant yourself near the stream of water. And of course, we can, we can think about streams when Jesus said on that uh, last day of the great festival in John 7, come to me, you who are thirsty, and streams of living water will flow out from within them. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Or when Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, if you'd come to me, I could give you living water. This is not a legalistic, pharisaical way of just read your Bible and you will get better and you will have all these things. It is a living relationship, isn't it? A living organism, so to speak. And I invite you to choose this day where you will plant yourself. Not so the wicked, the psalmist says. If we've seen a a tree, a plant that is thriving near living water, is green, its leaves are healthy, and and it's prospering, the comparison is the wicked. They're like chaff. They're burnt up. That, That tree or bush has completely deteriorated, and it's just blown away. And that's the warning, isn't it? That's the warning. And I don't know, maybe, maybe your spiritual life feels a little bit like a, an old dried up tree. It feels like the wind could just blow it away. The invitation is to come, be planted. 
The wicked won't stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And here the psalmist is looking in an eternal perspective as well, saying this is not the pathway that God has for the believer. This is not the pathway God wants for anyone in that last judgment when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. The wicked, those who oppose God, those who have walked away, those who have ignored him, they won't stand in the judgment. The sinners won't be there in the assembly of the righteous, the gathering of the believers. It's not their place, it's not their position. They've decided and chosen otherwise and that's not where we want to find ourselves either, right, friends? The Lord is with us and the promise finishes, the psalm finishes with this promise. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The Lord watches over. The Lord is here. He's present and inviting you in. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. So there's a road that that many are on. Jesus told us about it, right? Jesus said there's the wide and the narrow gates. Lots of finding the wide way and walking away. But there's a narrow gate. The way of righteousness, the way of Christ. Few find it, but friends, this is the invitation to follow the way of Jesus. To look to Him for the blessedness in our lives, the happiness in our lives. And that's why this psalm, I believe, gives us those invitations, the opportunity to find that blessedness in our lives, the happiness in our lives, in seeking after God to be like trees planted near streams of living water. So what now? (laughs) Well, I believe there's just some practical things you can be doing as we start this year to plant yourself near that stream of living water. I mean, the psalmist said it. Delighting in the law of the Lord, delighting in God's word, meditating on it day and night. This is our, our food, our drink. But finding delight in that and hearing God speak to us. So I think spiritual disciplines are good and they're important. But disciplines aren't just for discipline's sake. They're for discipleship. They're for relationship. So spend time in God's word to deepen your relationship with him. You'll be like a tree planted near streams of water. Maybe you want to use an app. Maybe you want to use a a read through the Bible in a year kind of app. I've had uh, Dwell, a Bible app, which has been really helpful. I've had Lectio 365, which has been a really helpful app for me as well, hearing God's word in the morning and at night with devotions. Perhaps you want to use devotionals. Seek out and find some material that will help you read through the Word of God, explain it and bring it to your heart. I encourage you to explore some more spiritual disciplines, disciplines of prayer, disciplines of meditation, disciplines of of fasting, disciplines of silence. And you'll find yourself being planted near streams of living water. You position yourself in a way 
that will allow you to be growing and blooming. So I want you to think about that practically in your life. How can you do that this year? What are some goals that you can set in your own, uh, that fits your own time frame that you can just continue to push in and grow in your relationship with God? Allow him to speak to you and continue to change you, conforming you more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because that's our goal. Conformity to the likeness of Christ. And that's where I want to finish. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who, through his earthly ministry, made himself available to spend time with his father. He was so desperately dependent upon the father. In fact, he would say, I I can do nothing without him. I only do what I see the father doing, he'd say in John, John's gospel. Desperately dependent on the heavenly father and his relationship with him. In prayer, in silence, in solitude, we see that in Jesus, in his life. And I think if Jesus needed that, so do we. To continue to build in our deeper relationship with God. So I encourage you, through Psalm 1, through the example of Jesus to be a people this year that commit to planting ourselves near streams of living water, to doing all that it takes to put ourselves in a position to receive what God has for us, to grow that relationship that he invites us into. May we be earnest in that heartfelt in that and and desperate in that pursuit of God. You may find that as you pursue God eagerly and deeply, the pursuit of happiness will come quickly on his tails. Let me pray. Our God, in this moment, I ask that you would cut through the chaff, as it were, that you would speak to us in our hearts of what you're inviting us into for this year, for this day, but for for our lives for all eternity. Lord, you desire a relationship with us and we have that and we thank you for what Christ has done to allow us to be called the sons and daughter of the Most High God and you love us as your children and help us to just grow in that relationship with you. Lord, whatever it is that's hindering us, that's stopping us, that's blocking us, every chain is breakable with you. We are victorious. Help us look to you for that. Give us a hunger. If we don't have it, give us a hunger. If we don't have that thirst, give us the thirst for you. Help break through perhaps some barren ground in our hearts, or in our minds, or in our actions, God. That gives us a yearning for you on a richer, deeper level. We need you, desperately need you to do this. 
For I feel or I sense where there's a tired and weariness in our hearts. Jesus, you invite us to have the living water you offer, to have the springs of living water that will flow from within. How oh, we need it. We pray for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.